手に入れてラジオドラマティス I don't care if you're new to us. I don't care what your past was. We all have a past. None of that matters now. Watch enough people get incinerated, devour alive, you see how ridiculous it is getting attached to ourselves. But knowing that sets you free. Is that what you're doing? Setting us free? If you learn that lesson, it'll only help you. What's going to be more like you? Except the future. Sadiq depended on places like this are cruel promises to their people, and they crumble at the smallest nick. Hell, I'm gonna enjoy watching you rip each other apart over what to do with me. Just like with Negan. Do we deserve a second chance? I don't know. But sometimes we get one anyway. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now, and it is my very special privilege to introduce our special guest tonight, Juan Javier Cardenas, Alpha's Whisperer Spy Dante. Juan, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Viz, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, it's just as exciting for me. Well, for sure. It is a pleasure and a treat for us to have you here tonight. And we have a lot to talk about. So let's just get started right off the bat. Now, when you got the part of Dante, how many times did you have to audition or did you just captivate them with the first reading? <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, it was a successful audition process, so that's that's fantastic. Uh, so, um, but it was only one time, actually. It's actually one of the quickest turnarounds uh, for casting that I've had uh, in in all the years that I've been working professionally. It was one time uh, meeting with the casting director, put myself on uh, tape at a casting office out here in Los Angeles, uh -huh. and then it was radio silence for for quite a while. Wow! And uh, I didn't know heads or tails or what was going to happen, and then I got a call. And uh, it wasn't, uh, would you like to come back in or we'd like to have a conversation with you? It was, um, hey, we have uh, we have the role waiting for you here in, uh, in Atlanta and here are the dates, hop on a plane. Wow. And it was that quick. So how much time did you actually spend in Atlanta from starting to ending the role? It was um, it, it was quite a number of months. It was quite a number of months um, because what, what happened was is that um, I, if you watch the season 10, um, I'm split over, I believe it's six episodes, seven. but it's not every episode. Oh, yeah. Seven, yeah. yeah. But it's not every episode, you know, concurrently. There's an episode that happens in between or that I skip an episode or so. So all that stuff is shot pretty much in sequence like that. So I did have a lot of downtime in like the greater like Atlanta area. I was in, I was down where they film it, down in kind of rural Georgia. Uh -huh. And I had to stay for all that time. So I spent a ton of time <laughs> in, in Georgia and it, and it, and it was great. Uh, it was great, but I did have little breaks in between, so I was able to go back home to Florida, where I'm from, to see my wife and my kids. That's awesome. So it was like it was like going off on, uh, you know, going overseas. I was isolated and I was away from the family for a long time, 
Um, but it was a great experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, we've heard many stars on the show say that while they were a part of the cast, Andrew Lincoln was the role model, motivator, embraced and welcomed every new cast member. Since he was gone, by the time you had arrived, did you notice anyone else sort of fill those shoes on the set? As sort of the welcomer of the new guys, embraced you, brought you into sure. the family? I felt uh, I felt so many people uh, had embraced that role, or at least I just I'd, had come at it uh, naturally because the people that I interacted with, my my overall experience was such a positive one with the kind of established cast, with the established TWD family. Uh -huh. um, standouts standouts were you know the showrunner Angela Kang, uh, Sadiq, the actor Avi Nash. Avi Nash. Um, yeah, absolutely, and uh, uh, and Josh Eugene. Um, those those three really stuck out as the as the most welcoming, the most preemptive. Before I even showed up on set, I received emails from all three of them, uh, welcoming me to the show, introducing themselves, um, breaking the ice, and, and being so warm. And I mean, offering the offering offering the simplest stuff, like literally, like, hey, why don't you give us a call if you have any questions about living outside of the Atlanta metro area for the time that you're here? If you want any suggestions on places to go, places to eat, little things like that. That's awesome. Um, it, it was awesome. It was great. And and every and everybody else on set carried on that kind of attitude. From the moment that I walked on, everybody was open arms and everybody was extremely nice. Um, which, which is really great because I've kind of, my, my, my career is typically one that I kind of hop in and out, yeah. of kind of establish storylines, you know, as a, as a, as like a reoccurring or as a, as a guest star. Yeah. And, and it does sometimes feel when you hop into really established sets, it does kind of feel like you're doing like a, you know, you're doing a foreign exchange student thing and you're a junior in high school, you go in, <laughs> there's clicks, everybody knows each other. It's really easy to kind of to, to feel like, oh, you know, to kind of feel on the outside. And, uh, you know, the culture on the set really is established from top down. Yeah. Uh, I think management and, and TWD was one of those sets that um, very organically everybody came up. And the first thing they say was like, we're so excited that you're here. We're so excited about this season. We know about the character and uh, we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. That's awesome. uh, so that, that was fantastic. That's yeah. awesome to hear. Now, you and Avinash, who you just brought up, who played Sadiq, uh, had sort of a great bromance chemis uh, chemistry on the screen. Uh, how did the two of you get along off camera when you, the cameras were not rolling? How did you and Avi get oh. along as friends? Did you hang out? Oh, man. Like uh, Gangbuster. <laughs> Avi is fantastic. <laughs> um, so Avi is obviously a really, really warm, uh, warm person and a, a consummate professional. And uh, when I, even though I'm, even though I'm slightly older than him, um, we had actually a lot of kind of strange similarities that kind of linked up with each other once we got to know each other a little bit and spoke uh, from the first day on, uh, that he, we immediately felt comfortable with each other, I feel, because we had all these things in our life that kind of linked up. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he comes from a theater background. I come from a theater background. Um, he has kind of advanced degrees in theater performance. I do as well. Uh, he had studied and worked in London. I've studied and worked. I've uh, I've studied in London. Um, he's Guyanese. He's uh, his family's his family's uh, very Caribbean, very South American. Yeah, I, okay. My background is Puerto Rican. So, you know, he speaks Spanish, knows great Cuban food. He spent time in Florida. I'm from Florida, you know? 
So it, it seemed like every time we were on a break, we were like in the back, you know, like heckling Jekyll. Ticka, 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 ticka. Uh, well, that's awesome. I, I got along. I got along really well uh, with Avi. Um, I, I've, I've said this before in other interviews, but um, uh, he uh, he was a guy that I really owe a lot to me feeling comfortable on set uh, because he was very uh, protective of his of his and our storyline for this uh -huh. season. Obviously, it meant so much to him yeah. as a performer because it's swan song. Yeah. You know, he was very uh, proud of that storyline and everything like that. So. Uh, every step of the way, he uh, he made me feel as a, as a guest star, as somebody coming in to help the story, help tell the story. Um, he made me feel every step of the way, hey, no, you're just as much a part of this as anybody else. And I want to create this relationship with you. And I want to really do, really woodshed this, you know, as actors. So I appreciate that attitude. You know, it's a very workhorse kind of uh, attitude. And, and that's how I've always been. So um, I had a great time working with Avi. Absolutely. That's awesome. I mean, wow. Talk about a professional and all the things you guys had in common. I mean, what are the chances? Now, Dante was a jokester. Yeah. I mean, he was a jokester, especially with Sadiq on the screen. Did you get any kind of leeway on how you played Dante? Or were they very particular and specific in how you wanted, uh, how they wanted you to portray the character? Well, uh, that's that's a good question. So a lot a lot of the a lot of the material is uh, a lot of the work is done for you if, if the script is, is written extremely well. Mm -hmm. And I thought the writing on this season, I think the writing on Walking Dead in general is really fantastic writing because it gives you so much. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the humor, of course, is written into the is written into the beats of the script. And uh, it does help, like I said before, if you feel comfortable on set and you feel really comfortable with who you're working with, it makes kind of moments of levity a little bit easier to play because you already feel comfortable with that person. So the same way that you feel comfortable with friends of you that friends of yours that you've grown up with, yeah. and you can kind of cut it up with them and stuff like that. You feel a little bit loose. Uh, that's that's how the feeling was on set. So you felt if there was moments of kind of slight improv around beats and stuff like that, you didn't feel kind of hemmed in and a little bit nervous about trying things out. There was a couple of moments there. We had a couple of really fun moments where we kind of, um, I don't think, I don't think everything made it. <laughs> into the show. I do remember a couple of the directors that were on set would allow certain beats to run a little bit far uh -huh. and able to kind of punch in certain things or, or play little ends of beats and stuff like that. Uh, and kind of improvise a little bit. Uh, but like I said, we, you know, I, you know, first of all, I really try to honor the text and try to play all those beats, all the humor that's there because it's all there for you and stuff. But then if they give you a little bit extra time and, uh, yeah, then you can go a little, a little, a little wild with it. That's funny. And, uh, and sorry, it, your question about specific how to play those moments. It was very, it was very, uh, it was a very trusting environment. All the directors there. At least in my experience, we're very trusting of the performers. And uh, when you get to set and you're working through a scene, you first read through the scene with the script and with the crew around you. So everybody's kind of on the same page about what you're about to shoot. And then when you do run throughs and everything like that, that's where you get up on your feet and you kind of run through the scene. And that's where you can kind of play and try different things. And uh, I didn't have, I can't think of one time where a director preemptively before us as actors got to work through it on our own. I can't remember anybody coming up and saying, hey, before we begin, listen, this scene is really about this, and yeah. try to remember on the... No, 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 they let people play. Like, they, they gave the actors a lot of free freedom. They, so, they yeah. trust you to do your job. You know, yeah, that's what it sure. sounds like. Now, is it true that um, uh, there were moments... Uh, 
away from when you started filming you were moments away from starting when executive producer greg nicotero pulled you to the side and actually revealed what dante was really going to turn out to be is that a true story or not that is that is totally true wow <laughs> that's absolutely true what had happened was is that uh, i don't know if kind of like what i mentioned before the turnaround time and by what i mean by that is like the time that i auditioned and the time i got the call saying that hey we're you know you if you accept the role it's yours and then the time that literally uh, a ticket was bought for me to get on a plane to go to atlanta it, was, it happened very very quickly mm -hmm. so i was in that first episode of the season so obviously when you're filming a production of this size there's so many parts there's so many moving parts that they're that the production side is trying to prep for you know they're bringing all the actors into the georgia area they're returning the cast they're building the sets you know they're planning out the shots the you know the executive producers are talking about the, i mean there's so much going on you know so you have to kind of do your homework and you have to understand as much of the script as you know however much of the script you got before you show up and stuff like that and and do your best on the first day and to be like you know to to, to work amongst all that kind of energy and I think I, I think what happened was is that in the kind of the speed that the production was kind of starting, you know, yeah, I, I never got I never got a phone call. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't receive a phone call, kind of telling a bit of the twist at the end of the arc. You know, I I, I wasn't privy to to that information until literally I showed up to set and they kind of marked you. You know, they put the gaff tape on the floor. You're marking. You've been mic'd up and everything. Okay, guys, we're gonna do a little rehearsal of the scene. On the next break, we're gonna dismiss the actors. And on that break, Greg Nicotero came up to me. And he's like. Uh, hey, bud, uh, can, I, can you give five minutes? And I'm like, yeah, sure, bud, no worries. And then he took me aside. He's like, I don't know if anybody's really told you what you're doing here. And I go, well, uh, I go, I know what's in the script for this first episode. And uh, and he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, why don't you take a walk with me? And he took me for a 10-minute walk. He took me for a 10-minute walk, and he didn't fill in every blank, of course, at the time, uh, because the arc was being developed. Uh -huh. you know, still, but he basically told the gist of the of the kind of uh, the subversive spy aspect of uh, of the character arc for Dante. That... So I so I had so I had about ten minutes, you know, until picture time to kind of rethink about that first scene and try to kind of analyze it in a script analysis kind of way to reanalyze everything that I'm saying and see if it fits into this kind of narrative now that we have to build into it of it being a facade in a way what? or if or if what I'm saying is true or not, you know. Exactly. But, but I but I will say um it was uh it was exhilarating <laughs> and it and it and it was a lot of fun and i i think it, it worked also because the like i said the the atmosphere on set and especially with greg uh greg nicotero is yeah. was fantastic to work with such a warm guy he's he's I, i'm sure people know that are really fans of the show if they've seen him in interviews but you can tell that he's as much of a fan of the genre and of oh, the yeah. show as all you fans watching it right exactly like, he, he loved loves it so um under under his eye and 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 angela was there as well and uh uh the atmosphere wasn't one of, of panic or anything like that what it was, was it was really exciting because it was uh keeping you on your feet and i come from you know i've i've, I've done improv uh, in the past and i come from kind of an improvisational acting background uh -huh. a bit so anytime anytime you can kind of keep yourself on your feet it sometimes can make your acting a little bit more honest because you're kind of in the moment and you're not kind of telegraphing everything and you're not uh, going in with a set idea how to play, you know, you're kind of forced out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, but if the attitude is there where you feel like the cast, the people that you're working with, like Avi and the people behind the camera, they're there to catch you, you know, to figure out these moments, you yeah. don't, you don't feel free about it. Uh, but no, that's a true story. That, that's a great story. So 
was the rest of the cast aware of Dante's arc, or did they just let you know at first? Did everybody know? Or did they keep it a secret? Oh, yeah, I think everybody knew. Everybody knew. So everybody knew. Uh, well, yes, everybody of everybody that's part of the kind of the, the, the prominent, what I say, because, you know, Walking Dead, of course, as you guys know, it's such a huge universe. Yeah. You know, each, you know, so many people that work on The Walking Dead as far as performers and characters. Exactly. But the, the kind of the core group of survivors, the people that are, the people that the fan that we all know. Yeah. You know, Sadiq and everybody uh, denies character. Um, uh, every, the people that are in those core groups, they they knew because they 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 knew about the season coming up. Those are the people that are kind of really aware of where the where the arc is going. And Sadiq knew, gotcha. obviously, yeah. but uh, I was not. So so it was kind of funny because I think I think I'm trying to see if I can remember this correctly, but I do remember having a couple of uh, like conversations, you know, with with Eugene, with, with Josh later, you know, where he would say like, has, have, have people told you yet what's going on? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just got the news. And they're like, oh, okay. Cause I didn't <laughs> want to spoil it. But I saw you walking around and I was going to tell you about it or I wanted to tell you about it or whatever. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's great. Well, it sort of leads me to the next question. Um, did you know anything about like Dante from the comics? Uh, were you familiar with the character you were taking on? Or did you just like go in this with just a script in hand and this is the first time you ever heard of the character Dante on The Walking Dead? I was I uh, I was aware with I was aware of the comic book The Walking Dead, but I wasn't aware of the the character of Dante. And the the reason is is because I grew up uh, I I grew up as a comics kid. I read comics for years, so I remember I <laughs> I remember when uh, Image Comics came out yeah. with the original original. Uh, Kirkman book. I remember when it first came out and the kind of the splash that it made and what it meant for Image Comics at the time. And it kind of the phenomenon. Of it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but as time went on and stuff, and I, I followed different things, uh, different mediums. So I wasn't aware with the the later the the later arcs of the comic because the comic was going on until I believe last year. Yeah. Um. So Dante comes in. Dante comes in much later. Mm -hmm. Uh. Fact. In fact, when I auditioned for the role of Dante, the name Dante was not even featured on any of the script materials that they gave me to audition. Oh. Neither, neither were any of the scenes in the sides. Sides are those uh, are the pieces of the script that they give you to audition. That's what's called a sides when you're given sides to kind of work on. Okay. But a, 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 but a, but what happened was is that when I got the sides, the character was written in the script as Angelo, <laughs> and. Uh, None of the none of the scenes that occurred in the sides actually ever occur on camera. They were very different. Yeah. But as an interest, but as an interesting twist, a lot of the material that was in the sides yeah. that I received was very reminiscent of dialogue almost taken very exactly from the comic books, from uh, from certain scenes in the comic book that feature Dante. And I think the reason why, obviously, is that you know The Walking Dead. It, there, there's such a a rabid fan base for The Walking Dead, but they have to be very protective of their material yeah. because in the past, probably people have uh, leaked maybe audition sides or they've gotten hold of scripts preemptively and things like that. So um, that's that's the number one reason why I believe that you know the the, the name Dante didn't even exist on the screen, uh, on the piece of paper rather. But then after I was after I had the script for a couple of days, my representation came in and let me know. They go, hey, by the way, we think we just got a word from production that this is angelo slash dante. dante so i took that yeah yeah you know what i mean gotcha. like they kind of hedged they kinda, 
if you want to do a little bit of research, this is really what the character is. Uh, when it when it seemed like clear that maybe they were going to go my way, you know, yeah. and, and offer the, the. So then, after knowing that, I immediately went to the library, and I read like you know every compendium of The Walking Dead that they had, all the all kind of the thick collections that they yes. have. And I caught up uh, all throughout uh, the arc of Aldante, the Whisper War. Okay. And uh, so I was familiar. So I was familiar by by that point. I was familiar kind of with the whole arc of Dante. But then again, that didn't exactly prepare me a hundred percent because the character in the show takes a lot of detours from that original <laughs> character of Dante. Retains like so much of the, just a little bit. A lot of <laughs> core core attributes that I loved. <laughs> From book Dante, you know, which I'm happy that we that we kept, but it goes off on on its own unique thing so much that I'm glad that I, I did that research. But there was a lot of stuff that was created uh, on the go and stuff like that. So it was like an organic kind of unique process of creating uh, show Dante kind of from the ground up. You know. Okay, that's 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 a wonderful story. Uh, a lot of good information there. Now, so you read the comics, or you try to you caught up with them. To find out who this character Dante yeah. was. Now, in the comic books, uh, Dante was Maggie's sort of new, rom you know, love interest in the comic books. Do you think right. that Lauren Cohen not being at the sh on the show at the time that the Whisperer arc started uh, played a role in them completely switching Dante's character? To instead of being the really good protagonist, into becoming the antagonist, you think Lauren Cohen not being there at the time sort of forced her hand a little bit? I, I, I really don't know. You know, there is such, uh, um, there is so much coming in, coming in, 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 in the way that I that I came into this show, and reminiscent of other ways that that an actor, an actor like me, kind of visits in on the on the little worlds and the little universes of these different shows that I've worked on you know there's there's really you basically are focused in on the on the corner of the world that you inhabit exactly. right exactly um that and that once i was there and once i understood the arc that was kind of laid out and what they were thinking about the role i realized that really um dante in the universe of the walking dead show he, his character is so much more tied into the world of sadiq and Sadiq's storyline, yeah. that it becomes that, and he really becomes a, a part of that kind of aspect of it. Gotcha. And also, and also, also, you know, as 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 Juan, you know, when I when I was offered the role and, and when I was made aware of the dates of when I was working and things like that, like the technical side of it, you know, when I was going to be there, I I was of course aware that 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 Lauren at the, at the time um, wasn't uh, involved in the in the in the season ten, and there, you know. When when you work in the industry and you get used to kind of production, understanding the, the 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 rhythm of production and how fast or how slow things go to develop, I mean, I kind of knew early on that I was like, okay, this Dante is going to be. Um, I don't know exactly the 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 the, the, the full deepness <laughs> of, <laughs> of the change of Dante, but what I do know is that it. The more that we got closer to start date, the the, the day of starting working. Um, the more I understood that, oh, of course, Lauren is not involved in this season. There's no way production-wise that that she's not been announced that she's going to be working on this season. It, 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 things don't work like that. Exactly, you know what I mean? yeah, I get uh, you. So the more that I kind of was aware of that, the kind of, I think, I, uh, I knew as Juan to kind of like healthily give up 
a kind of a, an assumption about what Dante was going to be. You know what I mean? I already kind of knew, okay, well, such a, that's such a big part of the comics. Obviously, this is not going to be a part of it. Sure. So I know that we're going in a different direction. So it was it was kind of a healthy knowledge of knowing, okay, this is going to be its own thing. So what it, what exactly that's going to be, I don't know. Uh, but I know to expect kind of the unexpected. Okay, I totally understand. Do you regret not having the opportunity to work with Lauren Cohen? Is that something that you would have liked to have happened? Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, of course, l listen, I, uh, you know, whenever there are fantastic actors that are attached to a project, you know, um, that if you don't get a chance to work, if you don't get a chance to work with them, uh, of course, you know, you would love to work with as many talented people as possible, yeah. um, because you would hear their work and, and you think, of course, it would be a lot of fun. You know, knowing now, uh, as I think back to the construction of, of the show Dante, and the story and the richness of that of that backstory that they gave him and how much I at the end of the process, how, how much I look back and I love so much that we're able to create a kind of a wholly unique take on the character uh -huh. uh, with aspects of darkness and, and, and all the aspects of the Whisper storyline that I loved and appreciate so much. I'm very happy with how it you know, with I'm very happy to 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 leave it as as is. And know that that's what we created, you know. So I have no regrets in, in that way, and I'm I'm really proud of the Dante. I'm really proud of the show. Dante, you should be. You, know? you should be. You played him fantastic. Uh, yeah, and uh, but but of course I but of course I think you know what I hope fans what I hope fans can appreciate is that I hope that they can have a kind of a dual love. They can they can appreciate the the book Dante for 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 how he was involved in the overarching story of the survivors and everything he brought to it. But then they can appreciate. Kind of in its really own way, the show Dante, exactly. and how um, and how he, he benefited in its own way the storyline of the survivors, and appreciated as two kind of unique things uh, that are distinct and different, uh, but they're both valid. You know, they're both good parts of the TWD story. Uh, you know? Those are great points. Uh, now moving on, the opening minutes of episode uh, eight in season ten, where Samantha Morton, who played Alpha brilliantly. Uh, explains the mission that she has for Dante and gives you step-by-step -step instructions on how you're going to achieve that mission. Dante is going to achieve that mission. That was uh, like your only scene with uh, Samantha. Uh, what was it like working with uh, Samantha uh, Morton on that critical scene and that very important part of the storyline where we get to find out how she recruited Dante for this mission? Um, well, one, Samantha Morton is a gem and, uh, she's awesome and, and a really wonderful actress and, and very, very kind person. And, uh, uh, I, I, I love the, the small time, uh, that I had, uh, working with her. She was, she was just like, just like all the rest of the guys. She was very sweet and she was wonderful and very giving and, and, uh, comes from a background of theater and is very, very committed, very, very committed mm -hmm. during takes. So there's no, um, I mean, this goes without, this goes for, for really everybody I worked with. But of course, Samantha Morton's character, you know, Samantha, the actress, I just want to let people know, which I'm sure they already do oh, yeah. know, how uh, how diametrically different she is from the character of Alpha. She's a very warm, oh, yeah. very uh, sweet person, very smart and um, and very friendly and very funny, actually. And, uh, but uh, in between those takes, in between action and cut, um, so, so committed with a sense of concentration that it electrifies you uh, working with her, you know, because it really engages you. So, so for one, I want I want to give a shout out 
Panther Morgan in that way. Two, you're right. It is uh, that's actually a very challenging thing about uh, film and television, is that that's the only. Um, so think of it from an audience point of view. Uh -huh. That's the only moment that you get to see this character Dante interact with with Alpha, and in that like small moment, I think it's two minutes really. Yeah. That speech that she gives. You're finally privy, the audience is finally privy to the depths of the specificity of the crazy, um, detailed, long con game that they set up that, the, that, that comes from the brain of Alpha, of the mastermind behind this entire Dante arc. You learn all that information. So it's like a, a punch in the gut, this, this massive reveal. As an actor, you know, me coming in and meeting her, really meeting her for the first time that evening. We yeah. shot that almost all the night out in freezing, you know, in the cold, you know, on a hillside in rural Georgia, you know, outside, outside uh, the studios there. And um, that was the first time I ever met Samantha, really having a conversation with her. And in those two minutes, you have to convey to the audience that you have known Alpha for such a long time. You are a fully indoctrinated, committed cult member of the whispers you have to convey so much history and love like twisted love and devotion to this messianic figure uh -huh. within those two minutes yeah so you have to you have to believe that you know you have to make people believe that you've know that not only do you just casually know this person you've lived out in the woods with this person you've been living like an animal you know you're, you're devoted to this person this is your svengali you know yeah the pope gotcha the pope anointing somebody so um going into that scene i i you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Samantha was aware of, of uh, the seriousness of it, but me going in, you know, I, I had to uh, bring a kind of like a hyper-focused concentration on her when she spoke. You know, I had to try to convey this idea that this man has known her for so long, you know, and uh, and, and really try to convey to the audience the, um, the intelligence the intelligence behind the whispers for all their savagery they're very calculating oh yeah you know, oh yeah definitely so yeah so yes it absolutely is a challenge it's, it's hard there we i did not have the chance with samantha to film similar scenes like that with her over the course of weeks like i did with avi yeah you know uh, working with avi you know when you see somebody almost every day for a couple of weeks you know you don't have to work that hard to kind of build a rapport or build a kind of comfortability on camera with them because i really did you know you get to know the person you get to know this actor you know you have enough conversations during lunch and things like that you know or even outside when you've wrapped you know to get to know the person so that kind of you know not to use a cheesy word but that kind of chemistry with somebody is is kind of built in by the end of the run so it is very difficult doing those scenes where you just popped in and that's the only time the audience ever sees these two characters talk but you have to tell so much in those two minutes I'll and i'll tell you what from the audience perspective uh you and samantha nailed it you guys nailed that oh. scene it was fantastic it was gripping uh she added the creep factor to it in the way she was talking to dante and explaining what he was going to do and you can tell just by, like I said, you didn't have a, a lot of dialogue with her. She was doing the majority of the talking, but the expressions on your face did all the talking for you. Uh, and it was done brilliantly. Uh, so great job. Great job. We're going to move on now to a video question by our executive producer, Marco. So I'm going to go ahead and play that right now for you. Anyway, thank you again for being on our show. Um, I do have a question for you. I know that Dante was a great character. Uh, where would you have liked to have seen Dante go 
um, if the fatal mishap with Sadiq didn't happen? Would you would have seen yourself fit in with the Alexandrians and become a member? Or would you have still went on Alpha's plan and were there to kind of cause destruction and chaos? Anyway, thank you so much. Enjoy the hour um, and stay walking. So there you go. I mean, if that mishap with Sadiq did not happen, where do you see Dante going? The, the, uh, we had a great, I had a great uh, uh, conversation on the, with, okay, that last scene, the, the episode seven, the episode seven where Sadiq passed, where Sadiq is murdered, yes. where I murdered Sadiq. Um, I had, uh, I, I, we were talking, we were kind of, we were working through that, those, those final, I have kind of like, like five stanzas of kind of a mini monologue. Okay. And it's, uh, it's Sadiq coming in on Avi and he sees himself kind of distraught and, um, you see Dante kind of work through kind of describing what his experience here has been. And he kind of, um, lets Sadiq know that, um, listen, you know, don't tear yourself apart. You know, you're an integral part of what makes this place work. And uh, why does it work? Well, it, it works because, um, people are here and they're actually selfless. Um, they're, they're not just trying to s scramble and survive. They're trying to take care of each other. And in this world, as it is, that's such a that's such a unique thing. And he and he's speaking all of this. Uh -huh. And uh, what I what happened was that when we were when we were speaking, the actors and, and the director, when we were talking, um, I was given a great uh, a, a kind of a great note, a, a great image to kind of work with, is that there are people, there have been people in in, in history and things like that 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 are kind of that are subversive that find themselves into a group with ulterior motives. And what happens is that. It has happened in the past where people that do that, they can eventually be won over by kind of the, the greater community. They're seeing something about that community that they were denied knowledge of or they didn't or they were told lies about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they, they start to ingratiate themselves. And originally, you know, at first it's a con. At first it's them kind of pursuing the objective of the mission. Mm -hmm. But people. But people can, you know, see a different side to things and, and it can kind of cause tension within themselves and a kind of a not understanding, you know, I'm so deep, but kind of, but am I deep? When I'm saying these things to Sadiq in these last moments of Sadiq's life, how much of that is the ruse? How much of that is the mask, Dante's mask? Or how much is that kind of the first time that Dante, after observing being at this place for weeks and months, seeing the positives and seeing how this system, this society does work, to a degree, in a more humane way. Mm -hmm. When I'm vocalizing it to Sadiq, it's, it might be the first time that I've ever vocalized, said any of these things. Yeah. And something that happens with people when they're at kind of an emotional state that sometimes when they just talk it out, you know, that cheesy way of saying, like, yeah. just talk it out. Yeah. That's kind of what you're thinking, what you're seeing with your eyes. And it's kind of what happens is that you can kind of self-convince yourself or at least it, you, you, you are made aware of your own thoughts kind of because you're actually saying them out loud. Yeah. So we so we wanted to play with that idea to kind of keep the audience in kind of a suspense um because when they would look back at that scene i wanted them to feel a kind of ambiguity about you know if sadiq had not had kind of a relapse of having this uh this ptsd moment exactly. of seeing yeah. my reflection the mouth of the screen if he had just turned and said you know what dante you're right man you know i'm sorry you know i'm just kind of messed up in the head let's go down and eat some food you know would Dante Dante would would not have needed to kill Sadiq in that moment? Sadiq, Sadiq is killed because he poses a threat to the mission. You know he's identified 
He's identified the, the counterintelligence agent. Yeah. So any counterintelligence agent has to nullify a threat. But if he hadn't, and, he, and that hadn't happened, I, I, I really would have loved to, um, in a different universe, in a different, in a different time, have explored more of that kind of turmoil, that kind of breaking apart of that kind of shell or that whole that the whisper cult would have had yeah. on uh, on Dante. You know, yeah. there was something that would happen. You know, it, it happens not to get too esoteric or anything, but it, it's happened for years. You know, it happened during the it happened during the eighties. You know. Yeah. Uh, scientists or artists from the Eastern Bloc countries would would come over to the West, and they and they would notice that they had been fed certain misinformation about about the other side, and that's where people defect. You know what I mean? So the idea of having that possibly be in the cards of Dante's story, I think would would have been really wonderfully interesting. But the fact that it wasn't actually, I think, is a is a positive uh -huh. in the dramatic sense of the character because I think that makes Sadiq's death so much more sad it does you know because in another in another universe and another time if he had not seen that thing you know maybe there would have been a redemption for uh, uh dante we don't know and uh it's horrible that it's horrible that that happened to sadiq it makes his death so much more tragic and pointless and and frightening <laughs> which is what all uh, most of the deaths in walking dead are oh, you yeah. know they're they're vulnerable and they're sad and they're horrific and you just you wish if a and B and C had not happened, then D wouldn't have occurred. You know. Gotcha. And we're gonna get more back to we're gonna get more to Sadiq's death in a little bit. But that rogue whisperer that Carol captures and brings back to Alexandria for interrogation, Dante poisons him and throws the blame to Sadiq. Was he a threat to blowing Dante's cover, or did Dante think he would reveal the location of Alpha's horde? Was he a threat to you, or was he a threat to the horde? I think. Uh, I, I, I think. Uh, I, I, I think. I think in immediate in immediacy in immediacy it's a threat to the to the mission. Okay. In the immediate sense, um, because I'm the only person. I'm the only person that is supposed to be within those walls doing counter counterintelligence. Yeah. You know, anything else is perceived as is perceived as a as a possible threat, and though. The, uh, the Whisperer cult is built on the idea of severe allegiance, unwavering allegiance based off of fear, you know, and, and kind of religious almost commitment. You know, it's still a possible loose end that could come back and jeopardize my threat of having another Whisperer who's injured, yeah. who's, 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 uh, who's in a weakened state that could possibly be coerced into revealing information. Who knows? It's an, it's an intangible unknown and when you're in when the stakes are so high life and death of being discovered undiscovered even if it's a member of your own team even if it's a whisperer the greater good which is the which is the service to the service to the cult service to the alpha mm -hmm. overrides everything okay and and if the way and in and in nullifying the threat of him i can deflect uh, attention and suspicion onto Sadiq, mm -hmm. it still works into the overall goal of the Whispers, which is to show, uh, sow dissension and suspicion within the, the Alexandrians to kind of prove that this facade of a of a trusting society, the second that things get tough, that all falls apart. You know, that's going back towards that. You know, and um, and it shows how brutal you know the 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 Whisperer cult is exactly that. That's you know that person. You have no idea how much uh, you know Dante. And as a whisper has interacted with him or whether he knows him. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he's part of the pack. 
you know, he's he's something in the way of achieving the mission. So he has to be he has to be taken away. You know, that's something that an Alexandria wouldn't do. It's a thing what a whisper would do. Exactly. And you know what? Uh, I didn't have this as a planned question, but the way you just explained that, it, it just really brought this question straight to my mind. I wonder if there was just a part of Alpha, let's say for her own ego, how the Alexandrians were living, it was a complete contradiction to what she was preaching. That kind of civilization yep. does not exist anymore. And it, the way you just explained that, it made me question to myself, like, I wonder if Alpha, if it was just a small or big part of her ego, uh, not only to defeat the Alexandrians, but to prove that she was right. That that oh, kind yeah. of life does not exist anymore. And they're living sure. a fantasy, you know? And that, yeah. that's a very... Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, that that essentially what you're saying uh, was expressed a little, you know, in, in different little ways, you know, but essentially what you're saying absolutely was a very common conversation that, that we had, that I would have with people and stuff like that. And it's a very understood uh, sense. Like the idea, okay, the idea of the whispers is that it's, uh, it, it's human society flipped upside down because it works like an, like an animal pack. You know, there's an alpha and there's a beta. There's, yeah. It's a hierarchical uh, uh, society based on fear and dominance. And, and if you're alpha, if you're like a shot caller, you know, at the top of a gang, you are constantly having to be hyper aware of anybody testing your rank, of subverting you, taking you out. And so absolutely, it's a, it's a, it's a system that's rife for self-aggrandizement and, and maniacal egoism and, uh, you know, cult of personality kind of thing, you know? Exactly. So, uh, you know, absolutely. Like, you know, these people believe, I, I, you don't get to, as far as when I was there, from what I understood, you know, so much of the whispers is a mystery. You don't get to know the full past of all these people. You know, what kind of horrors did they see? You have to assume that what they saw prior to joining the whispers has to be something so horrific that they would lose all hope of, of any kind of civilized society uh, you know, existing for yeah. after the end of the world, you know? So, um, so the idea that they would find a place like Alexandria, that though it has its faults and its setbacks, tries and succeeds at giving a semblance of civility, of care for another person that flies in the face of everything that they, that the whisperers suffering through all that horror you know the horrors of their existence and that cult and what they the abuse that they suffer uh that 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 pokes the balloon and yeah. explodes it you know exactly. out of all that protective layer that alpha puts over them mm -hmm. you know absolutely what a that's a crisis of faith yeah uh, situation you know what i mean um if they knew you know if they if they only knew what was possible you know they would leave you know so many people would try dying to leave you know, so, yeah, I think that's a totally fair and really on the right track feeling about the whispers, you know, that after a while, it's a house of cards when Alpha talks about this is the this is the real world. This is how really society is. That's how people really are. You know, you see how tight it is to really like the maniacalness of any of an egoistic person, you know, that needs to uh, reign over people like this. And she'll use whatever she can to maintain that status at all costs. You know? Great point. Great point. Now, uh we don't see any interaction between Dante and Alpha's daughter, Lydia. Were there scenes shot that ended up on the editing room floor between you and Cassidy McClincy? 
Or did you two um, never interact on no, the show? We did not. Okay, what what happened was is that we, um, uh, no, we never had. I'm trying to think back. No, I never had uh, any real uh, scene. I had. What happens in Walking Dead is that there's a lot of, of course, crowd crowd moments and things like that. Yeah. When the villagers, you know, the exotic get together and they discuss maybe the events of the the episode or things like that. There's this kind of exposition <laughs> moments and town hall kind of moments you know I mean, we're in the break or in the, the the chow hall kind of yeah. thing so of course I, I i work with uh cassidy and i met cassidy many times and she's wonderful she's very sweet and and and, and great actress and um uh but no but as i've always understood it and i believe if you go back and kind of listen to the dialogue between alpha it's 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 understood that the whisper cult is itself quite large and there are um, it's it's understandable that not every soldier in the Whisperer cult would have any kind of intimate knowledge of uh, Alpha's daughter or have any kind of interaction. And I, that's also part of the reason why that I was sent as opposed to possibly somebody closer to Alpha's inner circle, of knowing her family, of course, because yeah. that would be kind of a detriment kind of thing for the mission. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So when Dante, going back to that Sadiq death uh, scene, yeah. When Dante tipped his hand with the clicking noise, do you believe yeah. that was done subconsciously or did a part of Dante in some way, shape, form, or another want to come clean to Zadik? You know? That's, the, that's very cool. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That click, the click, I'm tr as, I, as I remember it for all those weeks that I was there and all those months that I was there, the click was something that was a very debated aesthetic I, you know, touch to the character that was really debated amongst the creatives and amongst us and the actors and trying to understand what that clicking was. Yeah. Originally, I'm not misremembering it, is that the the, the click at, at one point, the first time we heard kind of the click um, where um, Sadiq, and, uh, uh, Sadiq and Dante are mending uh, Carol's arm in one of those early episodes and the click that Sadiq hears in that moment, I believe was written as something that's it's an it's an auditory hallucination that Sadiq okay. uh, that Sadiq hears. Okay. It, it's a memory. It's a memory of the barn of the same clicking sound. Uh, but in that moment, it's it, in the moment. I believe it was written as it's it's a hallucination. Okay. Uh, as as we brought in the clicking and other little moments of the scenes, it actually evolved into something physical that I that I that I would do that they that they that we came to the idea that Dante has it. It's like a tick. Yeah. And it's it's. It's akin. It's akin to kind of. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I don't, I don't play cards, but from my friends that do, uh, it's like an expression of. It's a bit of a tell. Like if you play poker or something, like that, it's a tell. People have kind of subconscious things about them, yeah. about their bodies, about their voice. That when they're in moments of falseness, or when they're trying to bluff, yeah, or, or a strenuous emotional kind of moment, anything that's out of their kind of control a little bit that these things kind of like a, like a Tourette will kind of will come out and we, and that, that clicking developed into that. So I know, you know, I know for me kind of how I played it in that final moment, you know, I, I would like to, to make it fun for the audience and to take their own opinion on, you know, was the click, was the click a subconscious thing that in that moment of him trying to convince Sadiq off that ledge, He's having turmoil in his in his heart and in and in his mind, and it comes out based off that turmoil. Yeah. Or, or is he is he goading Sadiq? Is there is there is there is there um, uh, like a subversive quality of goading to kind of is that another tactic that he's using to kind of mess with Sadiq's head 
in that moment gotcha. that he doesn't think people go full bore and it'll come back in that moment. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, on that one, I'm keeping a little close to the vest because I know what I played in that, you know, gotcha. but, but you're right. That's what I will say. What I will say is that everything that you're talking about, about what that clip could be was very discussed. And I think what we came to the understanding is that it, it was, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a non, it's, it's a slightly non-intentional tell Okay. that, that certain have about themselves, whether it's a twitch or a kind of a, of a look, you know, something that comes out when, uh, kind of when you know when the when the computer glitches a little bit gotcha i totally understand now alpha was very smart by picking dante to be the one to infiltrate alexandria she knew that dante could handle seeing life uh being lived inside civilized uh manner inside of alexandria which contradicted her own teachings now we don't get to see this on the screen but did she see what did she see in Dante that led her to believe that Dante was the right person for this job? Uh, that kind of ties into kind of how much the audience will buy or whether they choose to believe the backstory that's established uh, by Dante during those later episodes. Ultimately, Dante is kind of an unknowable figure in certain regards. And I think that what makes him really scary actually there's that scene after dante is dead and uh, and they're kind of discussing i think it's rosita is is discussing it with, uh, gabriel. with father gabriel yeah and with gabriel and they're kind of reviewing over his his interview tape and in that interview tape dante's kind of expressing his background and things like that and they come to the conclusion that they cannot tell on that tape how much of what dante is saying is is real how much is not you know, and in a way that makes the character very frightening because you have, because it's scary if it's all real, everything that Dante kind of expresses about his backstory. And it's frightening if nothing is real about what Dante expresses about his backstory. Because what it implies is that you have somebody who kind of has kind of like a sociopathic ability to kind of invent a history and to believe in it so much that he's this incredible subversive a counterintelligence spy that can believe that can believe the legend enough that he can go that that difference and that, that distance and not waver it um there is a piece of his backstory that i uh, uh that i i don't think i've said this out loud uh on an interview or anything but this little piece that i will divulge uh, at least reveal kind of what i feel is that there is a piece of his backstory that's revealed in his conversations with dante that uh, with his conversation with sadiq which i do think is based in in, in in reality and i do believe that he has combat experience that's okay. i do believe that okay i do believe i do believe he's a soldier to some capacity um the details of that the details of that i've i've thought about it and i've kind of made my decisions on what that was but i think that you have to have a kind of a regimented discipline to be able to do what dante uh, ended up doing how successful he was infiltrating. You know, he was working as like a counterintelligence agent. I keep I keep saying that same word, but I mean it's really appropriate. It is appropriate. This character, Don yeah. If you think back, if he spent months with his people, like the ability, the ability to kind of go in so deep into kind of a deep role like that. You know what I mean? A deep belief takes takes incredible discipline and a certain amount a mind for that and a certain amount of training. It does. That I don't is available to any old uh, whisperer, a member 
who is simply like a damaged person in the apocalypse that's, you know, psychologically damaged, that just loves, you know, Alpha so much that they'll do whatever. You know, yeah. that that's good enough for a whisperer who will simply attack a base or or kill someone or go after them in an animalistic kind of way. But to be able to have the commitment and the discipline for that, I do think that the reality of what we were trying to do, I think I think points that that aspect of Dante's character, yes. That he has combat training, he has possibly possibly a background in intelligence training, um, and um, that 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 otherwise I don't think it, it's it's not as realistic or plausible that he could be that good at what he did, you know. Gotcha. But as far as everything else, as far as everything else, I don't like to say what's real and what's not. I I like I said, I know what I think, uh, but I you like but to I, you, I, you like to let the viewers decide on their own. Yeah, because like I said, I think that there's something really unnervingly creepy oh, yeah. about the character if you don't know all that much. Because he, like, like you said, he was so good at what he did. Not any ordinary Joe off the street who's just serving Alpha can pull off what Dante pulled off. I think no, that explains it best. Yeah, I don't think so. Now, do you think Alpha had you in that barn during that fair massacre as a final test of your loyalty to her, as well as to size you up for the mission. And I'm going to make this a two-parter because we are running short on time. You mentioned the word sociopath, okay? Yeah. When we see Dante in that barn holding Sadiq's head, and not only that, holding, opening up his eyes, that is a very uh, sociopathic trait. Was Dante a sociopath? Uh, was Alpha testing your loyalty? Was she sizing you up for that mission? I know that's three things in one, but how would you yeah. summarize all those things? The, uh, I, I think um, with that, okay, so I think that there, the, the plausibility, the realisticness, if you think about people that are in this whisper occult, there has to be different grades of people that are involved that will go the first mile for Alpha and to buy into the full cult of personality and go as far as they as they can. Yeah. You know, as far as the violence, depravity and stuff, losing however much. And there has to be people on the fringes that of course probably glommed onto this group because they had no kind of hope and they're broken people in a way. And then of course there's all these people kind of in between. I have to believe that um, Alpha being a very intelligent leader, understanding the hierarchical structure of her group, she has to kind of understand, she has to be constantly observing people that kind of connect with this group of hers to understand these are where the strengths lie in this person. I see there's something in this person that if I need to, I can call on this person. This person is willing to devote everything. This person is a bit scared, is a bit fearful. I can trust you know, this person with, with what I need them to do. So I do think that if I'm inventing, kind of projecting into my mind a history of the whispers, I do think that there are moments the same way that she is tested, all hierarchical structures are tested predominant, that she has to test, you know, you have to test the spirit of the people that you're following. Say, exactly. Can you do this? Can you go this far? If you do go this far, I'll give you something that, you know, you don't have in this world, like my love, my trust. You know, you're going to be in that inner circle with me. If you can do this, you know, I will trust you with everything. And how special is that? You know, to people that have like lost all family, lost all hope, you know, um, they're at their, 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 the, uh, the end of their rope, which is why they're in a, a group like the Whispers to begin with. Exactly. So I can, I can believe and do think that the kind of commitment, the fact that she can do something like that 
with a group of whispers and and notice which of those whisper people you know they will they will go along to a certain extent but they, if they stay there and keep their eyes open as she decapitates people in front of them you know with this supposed for the greater good of the group if they do not either you know vomit run out of the place screaming or pass out that she has that she'll understand that this is a member that's got some salt yeah that i can trust him you know what i mean gotcha and um yeah you know what i mean and uh you know absolutely and i do think that there is something to be said like i think that there's a lot of care over in the cult of in the whisper the idea of the whispers there's something very cathartic and bacchanal about it very animalistic you know you're in these moments of great violence and the whispers it's so animalistic and devoid of any of society's like understandings of of what's right and wrong and seeing people as people and not just things that you can tear apart you know yeah part of that cult of the whispers is driving this animalistic fury out of people this cathartic bacchanal kind of thing that they get like a bloodlust gotcha, I mean? gotcha so i think what i tried to play in that moment is i think that the whispers that the cult members find themselves driven to these acts of violence by the people up on top and the more that you kind of the more that you do a little bit of violence or you allow yourself to oh this is a normal this is a normal this is a normal to steal you know to come across these people in the woods and take something from them and then kill them and the first time that you kill somebody as a whisper probably gets easier and you you devolve more uh-huh. so um, you know you know getting if, if you come to that group damaged with a bit of training and you're a bit you know if you studied violence and you and you you've engaged in violence in the in the normal world you know think about what an asset you can be to the group if now it's the apocalypse and guess what that that those talents that you have yeah you know that ferocity that you have guess what now you're here you can use it in fact it's not something to be scared of yeah let it out exactly you know what i mean it's an asset yeah all right yeah it's an asset we are almost out of time but i do want to ask this this question okay just before Gabriel, played by Seth Gilliam, goes medieval on you, that's no other way to put it, uh, he says, do we get a second chance? I don't know, but sometimes we get one anyways. Right after Gabriel says that to you, and the look that you immediately shoot back at him, it looks like that statement made an impact on Dante. Sort of like, for the first time in a long time, Dante started to see the world from a different perspective. Um, is that how you wanted to play that scene, that look that you gave Gabriel when he made that comment? Just before he stabs you, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He didn't get a second chance. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, abs- abs- absolutely. The way that I kind of saw it as is what I was trying to think of the arc-wise is that it's Dante and Sadiq in those final moments of Sadiq's life, running through kind of his his experiences of of, of Alexandria. Dante sees the kind of the the kind of light coming through the brick wall, the cracks in the brick wall of of a, of a, of a possibility of a different of a different outcome, a different world. You know, there's a bit of there's a bit of hope there. You can kind of see thematically him stumbling through that, right? Then Sadiq's death happens. Sadiq's Sadiq's death happens. At that point, I always took it as. At that point, boom, any humanity that we could have gotten close to, now it's shut. Yeah. Now it's shut. Now we see Dante the soldier. Now we see Dante nullifying the threat. And you see, you kind of, I tried to exhibit that, you know, that, that life, that life, that kind of humanity goes gone. Boom. 
then it comes to the attack on Rosita. You know, then 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 at the at that point it's animalistic fight or flight. Da 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 da. -da. He gets he gets incapacitated by Rosita. When we see them next at that kind of round table of the of the major players, yeah. you know, uh, Carol and Dow, Gabriel, yeah. trying you know trying to ascertain why why was this necessary? Why did you do it? And you see Dante. It's back to the good soldier Dante everything he's espousing and that is the the alpha playbook this is the manifesto the whisper manifesto everything you think you could have achieved is a facade you are one 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 crack in the dam away from this ugliness of people to override any fakery of a civilization that you think that you think you can achieve is nothing it's wrong in fact civilization up to this moment has all been it's a lie the second that the lights come out on people, on, that's when the wolves come out and people are wolves and that's what's going to happen. So you see him, he comes, he's reverting back. Why? Because maybe, maybe his lifeline, maybe somebody that could have been part of the redemption, Sadiq, he's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. So that lifeline is kind of gone, right? So you kind of think of it in that way. And then you find him back in that jail cell with, with Gabriel and he's defeated. You know, he's, he's injured. He's like a wounded lion, you know? And Gabriel has that moment where he says that to him. He goes, you know, sometimes we don't get a set, you know, we don't deserve a second chance, but we get one anyway. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think, I don't think maybe Gabriel is meaning it in this way. I, you know, I'm projecting onto Seth's character, but I think in the context of why Gabriel was saying it is because Gabriel see this happening. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this danger within our gates. And because of that, Sadiq had to die. But you know what? I have a second chance now. We, you know, we've, we, you're not in a threat anymore. Maybe I'll have a second chance to to do better next time, Keith was saying. But sometimes people say things and they mean something else, but the way that you take them, you take it in a different way. Yeah, I, I, and I do think that Dante in that moment, I I, I agree with you. I, I do think that, that it's somebody else from this community, from the Alexandria community, verbally expressing the idea that, you know what, redemption is a real thing. That's not, that's not false, you know. Yeah. You can you can have a second chance, you know. Anybody can have a second chance, you know. Yeah. That's maybe you don't deserve it. <laughs> like you know, like Negan, you know, Negan was kept yeah. alive. You know, that's a big discussion. And you know, maybe you don't deserve it, but you know what? We're different here. Here we're different. Um, and it's that 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 last mo you know, it's that one moment where the soldier, you know, this, the the soldier. I'm A B and C, A B and C, A B and C, A B and C, A B and C. You know, stick to the script, stick to the script, and that's one of the first times that he hears it differently again and, and it kind of breaks him a little bit that's oh man that's uh, awesome to hear you explain this is fascinating uh we are out of time we could literally go on for hours talking but guys we are out of time i want to thank juan javier cardenas whisperer spy dante for joining us tonight this has been a fascinating chat juan thank you so much for agreeing to be here with us and share all that wonderful insight with us it's been great. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, Juan, it's been amazing. And maybe sometime in the future, we can go through the rest of the questions. <laughs> I, I, I would love that. Thanks so much. Uh, I, I, I love talking about The Walking Dead. It really was a, a really fantastic experience. So thank you so much for uh, giving me a call to do this. And uh, thank you very much to everybody who, who watched in and they're so supportive of the of the universe, of the characters and uh um, it, it really means as a performer standpoint, 
uh, it means a lot to know that people really care about the work and they care about these characters because it means that we're kind of we're making an effect through storytelling on people. So I, I really appreciate all the support and thank you to everybody tuning in and listening. Absolutely. And we talk, I do this show daily and I talk to hundreds of Walking Dead fans per day. And Dante, I can tell you with absolutely no hesitation, is one of those characters that people love to hate but they love him <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good <laughs> and then as an actor i can tell you as i've told other people if you were meant to play a bad guy and you just receive such a response from fans where you just draw out that emotion from them it means you did a fantastic job and juan you did a fantastic job with dante and we thank you so much for the performance that you gave us for Dante on The Walking Dead. So thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for watching. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. Until then, stay walking, guys. <laughs>